listening to Ouija Brats. This is Devin. This is Liz. Hey, Liz, what up? Devin, I'm thinking a lot about giant snakes. Why are you thinking so much about giant snakes? Because Titanoboa exhibit came to Spokane <laughs> and I finally got to see it. <laughs> How did you feel about that? Really good. <laughs> It's like the whale shark of snakes. Yeah. I could look at it all day. It's amazing. And it's not even like a skeleton because they don't have a complete skeleton. It's just a replica some dude made out of mostly styrofoam as far as I can tell. And I could still look at it all day. My favorite is when you get to either stand next to a replica of how big the thing actually was. Or when they make one of those like superimposed images in a video where they show the thing like slithering around next to a dude and you're like oh it's really big look how big you were how big was titanoboa uh like 50 feet long like it could eat a crocodile it could eat two crocodiles Let, let me double check that number no we're going with 50 feet long um, could you hug it? It's so great because I'm so fixated on Titanoboa and the yeah. first thing everybody asks when I talk about it is how big is it? And I'm like, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Roll big. Yeah, roll fucking big. <laughs> it's in the name. Duh. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. It was approximately 50 feet long and weighed around 2,500 pounds. Oh my gosh. Yeah, so they think, they think based on anacondas that probably what it did was live in the water most of the time. Yeah. Because yeah. otherwise, that's a lot of weight to try to move yeah. across the ground. But that's what anacondas do, too, is yeah. they like to live in the swamps because they can hold their breath for up to 45 minutes. 45? you got to be kidding me. Nope. And so we watched, so we went to the Titanoboa exhibit, my daughter and I, and like, at a certain point, she got a little overwhelmed. We went and we watched the documentary part and sat in some beanbag chairs. Okay. And I was watching these dudes just haul these anacondas out of the swamp. And the way they find them is they walk around. The dude was in bare feet, first of all. Yo. And he had a walking stick. And he was poking the mud with his walking stick. And then he'd feel it react. And then everybody would just stick their arms in like they don't care about having arms. <laughs> and would just haul the anaconda out. And she was pissed. What? The, the anaconda or your daughter? <laughs> the anaconda. My daughter was just sitting there going, yes. <laughs> a little parcel mouth she thought she thought the anacondas were pretty sweet we had to talk a lot about what does extinct mean how do okay. scientists figure out how ancient creatures might have behaved based on how modern creatures behaved and here's my logic is that if an anaconda can hold its breath for 45 minutes yeah. and can only be found by a specialist dude sticking a walking stick <laughs> into the mud <laughs> what could a titanoboa still be doing <laughs> Uh, they can hold their breath for 60 minutes, and you can only find them if you have a magic key to Narnia, because that's where I right. hope they live. I don't want them and, to live with me. Oh, I want them to be alive, because they would have to live around the equator, because you can't have a cold-blooded body that big and live, like, up here. You would have to live someplace where there was enough warmth. But I think any witness who saw a giant snake, because that's like a whole category of cryptids I've been learning about, yeah. is there's people who basically take it as read that Titanoboa is still around, yeah. is you would get at, right? <laughs> like, immediately. 
there's no eyewitnesses to this situation. You think if you see it that big, you're close enough to see it that big, you're within edding distance. It's way too late. Yeah, it's way too late. (laughs) Then the thing with them, too, is they only, like, anacondas only have to eat once a year. Is it really that infrequent? Yeah, so they'll, like, choke down something and then digest it, and then they're good to go. So we wouldn't even know if a titanoboa was, like, predating around. Oh, God, no. we wouldn't notice No, we wouldn't notice. You'd be like... We'd just be like, huh, Jeremy never came back from that hunting trip. (laughs) Must have been a cassowary. I bet that's what got him. Yeah, probably. And then the rest of the time, (laughs) this titanoboa is just being, like, the Earth's belt. It just yes. stretches around the whole world, basically hanging out, waiting for, I don't know, like a whole pack of elephants to like trundle down to the equator, eats them all, and then is like, no, I'm good for the next rotation or revolution. Exactly. And then it just tucks itself down into the mud so you can't see it from aerial photographs. Mm-hmm. And it chills out. Liz. And that's it. Liz, do you know what is shaped like snakes are, are rivers? Liz, what if we're <gasps> not seeing rivers from space? Liz, what if we're seeing titanoboas from space? What if the reason rivers are wavy is because that's most comfortable for titanoboas? Oh my god, what if all rivers were straight and then titanoboa got in it and went, not today, and did a little shimmy and wiggled it out of straightness? A little woo-loo-loo. Yeah. (gasps) Shit. I feel like we are too close to discovering the secret of titanoboa and that puts us in edding distance. Yep, we gotta be careful. Fuck. Did you know that Jason had a pet snake? He had a little ball python. Oh, then what happened? (laughs) He went to a place where he couldn't have pets anymore for six months. And Mm -hmm. a friend had to take care of Pimp Squiggly and Pimp Squiggly died. Oh, man. Yeah, so it was sad. Um, but we might have ball pythons again one day. I have said that we will not have any more exotic pets other than I'm going to have birds because they're assholes and I love them. And I don't think they're so exotic that I can't take care of them. I just want a little thing that shrieks all the time. It's so fucking funny. Pimp Squiggly 2 is going to eat that though. (laughs) No, I live on the magic fucking kingdom and my animals are all friends. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, good to know. (laughs) I think that arguably the success story when you think about endangered species is probably the California condor. Yeah. I agreed with you. I don't know what you're talking about. No, it's all good. Well, you'll agree with me, really, because I've got hard data to back it up, because in 1987, there were 22 condors left in the wild. Oh, my God. 22. They know this because they rounded them all up because they were like, holy shit, they're almost dead. They were well, no, 22. they're not in the wild anymore, assholes. <laughs> well, <laughs> they were not doing so well in the wild. Uh, they had to round them all up. And uh, thanks to rounding them up and this really fucking aggressive breeding program, there are now almost 500 condors in the world. Wow. Okay. Amazing, right? So uh, it's still... A critically endangered animal, but between 1987 and 2017, we've got 500 breeding condors uh, in the wild and in captive breeding programs here along the West Coast. 
really it's thanks to some very aggressive captive breeding programs that were started by the Los Angeles Zoo and the San Diego Wild Animal Park. So shout out to those fine folks who made it so that we still have California condors today. I'm not sure that I like the words aggressive and breeding that close together. <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> hey, putting me on yes, blast right now. Yes, you do. Um, condors are cool because they're one of the kinds of birds. They're uh, one of the species of birds, excuse me, that will do something called pausing to find my notes. They'll pause to find their notes? Get out of here. Fuck off. They, <laughs> you don't like my dad jokes? <laughs> no, I don't. They're one of the kinds of, or they're one of the species of birds that'll do something called a double clutch. Some birds, if their eggs or young are destroyed in a breeding season, that's it. That's all they got. They have to wait until next year. Condors, if their eggs, uh, eggs, singular, because they lay one at a time, or their baby dies, they'll double clutch, meaning they'll lay again. So what researchers have found out they can do is if they have a breeding pair, uh, they get them to, you know, have sex, lay an egg that's fertilized, then the researchers steal that egg and they they hand rear it with puppets. And mom and dad condor go, fuck, we don't have a baby, so they make another egg. That's traumatic both for the parents and for the baby who's getting raised by puppets. No, it's not. It's totally fine. The condors are stupid, so they don't care, and the babies love it. All babies love puppets. You were raised on the Muppets. You'd be fine if Animal was your parent barfing up little bird goo into your mouth. I'm picturing it, and yeah, I would have turned out okay. You would have been fine. You would have been totally fine. Uh, no, Devin, I, I, why, why are you telling me about real animals in California, though? I'm telling you about real animals in California because because they're interesting, because they were almost extinct, and I think it's a fascinating story. Um, it's weird, and it's wonderful, even though it's real. But Liz, you know there's going to be a cryptozoology angle. You just have to wait for it, though, okay? Okay. I'm sorry, but I'm going to tell you some facts. I'm going to tell you real things about California condors, and then I'll get to the woo-woo, Devin likes this part. Part of the story. Yeah. I'll be patient. You're so good to me. Um, The California condor, what can I tell you about them? They are one of six new world vulture species, and these are different from old world vulture species. Um, New World, of course, is the Americas. Old World is Europe and Asia. The vultures over there are actually more closely related to hawks and eagles. Oh. And what's weird is vultures over here are more closely related to storks. Oh, okay. So just two separate creatures came up into that niche. Two totally separate. What is that called? Uh, Uh... Co- convergent evolution convergent evolution thank you i was like co-diversion evolution that's i'm not right. totally sure parallel evolution, evolution. <clears throat> parallel evolution i don't know which one me. it is i think it's convergent yeah. evolution that sounds like a word i read when i was researching this so we're gonna go with that one if that's you're a zoologist cool. if my buddy greg is listening to this and yelling at the podcast greg send me a message and i'll print a retraction yeah there um, we go print it on what <laughs> You're going to write it on a 3 by 5 index card. <laughs> put it on a post-it note and then stick it on my butt and invite you to kiss it. 
<laughs> that got weirdly aggressive. <laughs> kind of like a condor breeding program. Wait, so condors are a kind of vulture? Um, Condors are a subgenus of the vulture species. There's two condors. There's the California condor and they're the Andean condor. And they are under the umbrella of vulture. Okay, I'm already more interested because vultures are like my favorite bird. Why are they your favorite bird? Because um, nobody loves them and they clean up highways. That's so and sweet. I like to see them flying around in the sky. They That's just so kind of soar above. And I don't know, in North Carolina, I got to see some close up and they do yeah. really smell that bad. They oh, do they? really do. They, they smell like when we went and saw the corpse flower and I thought yeah. I was going to smell it and I got a little bit close and I couldn't make my body go yeah. any closer. And that's yeah. how vultures roll. But I just am happy they're in the world doing their thing and they're good at it. They're really good at it. And they're just, I mean, well, you, I don't know if this makes you like them more or less. Um, I forget what it's called, but much like storks, they pee on their own legs to cool down, so that doesn't help the smell. No. Um, <laughs> but they are, uh, they're, they're really important ecologically. Like you said, they're, you said you saw them, what was the word you used? Soaring? You liked seeing yeah. them soaring? They hover beautifully. <laughs> Dude, they're so fucking good at hovering. They are incredible. So... Their Californian condors' wingspan are 9.8 feet across. You're shitting me. No, no. Isn't that incredible? 9.8 feet. They don't have one on record that hits Oh, I got, like, dude, I got goosebumps thinking about that. That is upsettingly large, and I am here for it. (laughs) Eagles are 7 feet. So they're already a big bird. Add two more plus feet to that. They're huge, but Liz, their bodies on average are only 20 pounds. Sorry, I'm just still sitting here with the knowledge that eagles are 7 feet wide and condors are like most of 10 feet wide. I feel like I'm Dougal from Father Ted getting like, (laughs) you see, Dougal, these are small and those are far away. Have I just never been close to these animals? You've never Have I never been close to these birds? No, you've never been close to a California condor. Never been close. I mean, there's only 500 of them, so chances are you have not. Um, I'm going to have to the, hook it up, or somebody's going to have to make a model for me to, to look at. These babies are all fucking wing. And because they are all fucking wing, dude... They, like you pointed out, you see them soaring. They are not flapping birds. They are soaring birds. So what they have to do is attain elevation. But once they do, they can glide for miles without flapping their wings. Liz, they can go for, um, usually California condors, you see them on cliff faces. And what they're doing is they're, (laughs) I mean, they're kind of like base jumping, right? They're they're jumping off of these high peaks so that they can then soar and just ride the thermals for miles. Are their babies ugly cute? Their babies are so ugly cute. Their babies are born um, with their eyes open. It can it can take them up to a week to get out of their shells. <laughs> well, that's adorable. <laughs> They're stupid. And they've got this funny little gray fuzz that they keep for about six months. 
they well uh, less than six months but they keep for a good long while because they can't fly until they're about six months old um, oh, okay California condors reach sexual maturity about six years old. I mean, these these things can live for 60 years. Are you serious? Oh, okay. yeah. Yeah, if you leave them alone, they can live forever. But the babies, uh, uh, sorry, let's talk about the parents first. The parents, once they pair bond, they mate for life, like many oh. big birds. And they raise a new chick every two years. I don't know how they got into such population trouble with that then. Mm, yeah, you do. Is it sad? Is <laughs> it people? Did it, we ruin it? We ruined it, Liz. Oh, man. This is why we can't have things, let alone nice ones. <laughs> things, nice things. You just can't have fucking anything. Uh, they were found all across North America pre-European settlement. Well, pre-people settlement. Then after the last ice age, their range shrunk considerably to just the western half of North America. Um, But they were still around in good numbers, even when Lewis and Clark were around. They uh, have Lewis and Clark's journals, right? And Mm -hmm. Lewis and Clark talk about hunting California condors around the Columbia River mouth. Stop it, dicks. Stop it, dicks. Uh, An adult condor has two... Uh, not predators, but two things that'll fuck them up, and that is people and eagles. Eagles, really? And, okay. Well, eagles will fight them at a carcass. So uh, condors are carrion eaters. I mean, eagles will catch prey. Condors just eat dead stuff. Oh, and they don't have a sense of smell, so they don't care that they smell bad. They search or they hunt only on sight. They must have really good eyes. Really fucking good eyesight. But they'll find a carcass, and if an eagle, particularly golden eagles, will fight them at a carcass. Um, I also read on several sites that bears will share carcasses with condors, because bears just don't give a fuck. They won't really mess with the condors, but they're not going to make way for the condors. Okay, that that sounds like about the approach I would take if I were a bear. Doesn't that sound right? Yeah. So condors died out in huge numbers after Lewis and Clark because of lead poisoning. So people were shooting things with lead bullets. Those things were dying. The condors were eating them, and they were getting lead poisoning. Uh, DDT killed a bunch of them and weakened their eggs. And power lines were a really big deal and killed a whole lot of them. And then, I mean, other than that, of course, habitation loss. So it's not even that we wanted to eat them. It's just that the world we made was not compatible. The world we made was not compatible, although cattle ranchers hated them. Because if a cow died, a condor would find it and eat it. And there was a... uh, Cattle ranchers made the mistake of thinking the condors, because they're big fucking birds, had killed the cows. Oh, okay. I was going to say, why is that a problem? Like, where's the cow going next? But all right. They think the condor killed it. Yeah. So they were shot for that reason. No, it weighs like 20 pounds, dude. (laughs) Yeah, but think about how wide its wingspan is, man. Looks like it could carry off a whole cow. (laughs) At least a little one. Baby cow. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. You talked in the last episode we recorded about 
Steamboat Mary having a pet eagle. Stagecoach, but yes. Stagecoach, not steamboat. Stagecoach Mary <laughs> having a pet eagle. Apparently, during the gold rush, miners would keep condors as pets. They're apparently docile enough and trainable enough. You can have a 10-foot a, a wingspan bird as a pet, if you like. They'll just roll up because you've given them food, I guess. <laughs> yeah, probably. Dude, did, I don't know. This was did you a, see on oh, Reddit that relationships post with mm-hmm. a girl whose boyfriend's roommate is an eagle? Stop I, What? I was going to say he had a pet eagle, but basically it's like he lives in kind of a mountain cabin. And ever since he was a kid, he's had this connection with this eagle such that... Like, it flies, he leaves all the windows open all the time so the eagle can fly in. And it, like, he feeds it meat and so forth. So it lives, like, a free life. Like, it's not a house pet, but it flies all around the mountain. And then when it wants to, like, get warm or have food or hang out with whatever his name is, it comes in the house. And the girlfriend is like, that thing is trying to eat my cat. And it fucking doesn't (laughs) like me. The thing is, the eagle hates her. And I think at that point you leave, right? Like, that that's a deal breaker. The boyfriend should be choosing the eagle over the girlfriend. Women come and go, my friend. Yeah. <laughs> but a magic Snow White connection with this majestic as fuck eagle? Yeah. <laughs> and also, what conversation are you going to have with the eagle about your girlfriend? <laughs> Like, I really just need you to be cool for, like, a second when she comes over because she's a little scared. Yeah. Like, of your majestic talons and the way that you could rip her throat out and kill her and that you tried to eat her cat. It almost feels like a reference we're not getting, right? Like, it's some elaborate Game of Thrones troll account. Yeah, but it's just the situation this poor woman found herself in is... (laughs) This dude has a pet slash friend eagle and they can live a long time and it lives in his house when it wants to and it doesn't like her. I don't know what to do. I think you just get back on OkCupid or whatever. You call it a wash. Tinder. When my parents started dating, dad had a dog named Bullet, a little Australian cattle dog named Bullet, and Bullet hated my mom, and dad encouraged it. He thought it was hilarious. (laughs) Dad can be a dick sometimes. Dad can be a dick most of the times. (laughs) But I think that the eagle problem is bigger than the Bullet problem. Yeah. And my parents made Bullet work. They're still, their uh, 40th wedding anniversary is this December. They oh, made that them. work. That's probably because Bullet didn't scream down out of the sky and tear your mom's scalp off. <laughs> I think it's because mom outlived Bullet. And I'm not sure that girlfriend's going to outlive Eagle. I wouldn't bet on it. No, no, my money's on the Eagle. My goodness. Yeah, that's um, a dilly of a pickle. he's just having a doozy of a day yep sorry i keep interrupting you i'm interested in what you're saying no i'm i don't i don't have a story that good fantastic um 
I'll just jump right back into my notes because I don't even know how to segue that. Holy shit. Cool. I'm very interested <laughs> in these condors now. You've, you've, you've pulled me around on them. They sound cool. They're really cool. Well, I hope you think they're really cool because they've cost the U.S. a whole lot of money. Um, oh, whoops. It's okay. I'm basically a socialist. <laughs> the, <laughs> yeah, me too. The California Condor Conservation Project is probably one of the most expensive species conversation projects in U.S. history. To date, they've cost the U.S. $35 million to get their numbers up. That, Devin, is $70,000 per condor. (laughs) We could have sent them to an Ivy League school each. (laughs) Fuck, I'd rather have my student loans paid... No, I'd rather have the condors, Liz. I'll pay my student loans back. I think it's more important that we have these giant carrion-eating, beautiful birds. They're not really beautiful, but you know what I mean. I think it's important we have these majestic-as-fuck birds, even if they are 70k. How did you do that math so fast? I had my calculator open because I could tell you were going to tell me some numbers. No way! Did you really? Yeah. Damn! Do I have a yeah, voice? Man. I know I have a voice for bullshitting. Do I have a voice for figures? I must. You have a figure for voices? Mm. I, I don't know. I thought if I if I sold that right, it would come out like a compliment. But No, no. you basically no. told me it that I make... have a face for radio. It didn't make any sense, yeah. yeah. Oh, but here's the thing, dude. Our government has spent a lot more for a lot less. <laughs> A lot less. At least we can point at some birds and be like, look. (laughs) Look at them peeing on their legs. (laughs) Your tax dollars at work. And their babies are being raised by Muppets. And Oh my god. Yeah, how much of that money was puppet development? (laughs) These puppets? Oh my god. They look legit. They look real AF, my friends. So I'm sure a couple mil went into making these little condor face hand puppets barfing up, you know, <laughs> carrying for these little babies. I don't know how the puppets teach them to fly. I'm not sure about that one. I'm Big birds. About this a lot. Okay. Big, Big birds, birds. They inspire people they inspire me and they of course inspired people back in the day um they inspired a lot of tribes and tribal lore of course so the um and these are all tribes that are up and down the californian coast and a little bit into the southwest so you know the wyatt tribes believe that the condor recreated mankind after the great creator um wiped out the first version of humanity in a flood and then hmm, okay the, well, that so, was nice know. of the condors yeah so he's a good dude in that one the uh Yokut tribe said that condor sometimes ate the moon and that his wings caused eclipses so well, okay knock it off condor don't eat the moon not as not as great right uh the chumash said that condor was once white but he turned black because he flew too close to a fire Okay, makes sense. But probably most famously, the condor is associated with the Thunderbird myth. <gasps> Thunderbirds! Thunderbirds! We're going Liz. back to Thunderbirds. Going back to it. What do you know about Thunderbirds, my friend? Uh, I know we talked about them in the episode where we talked about Sasquatch and Mount St. Helens. You're so smart. 
And that they are somewhat, their range might be up into Washington as well as yeah. Oregon. Yeah. And, but they're many times bigger than condors. They are many times bigger than condors. So thunderbirds are an important part of a lot of different tribes. I mean, throughout the Americas, they're a big deal, but they are really big in Northwest coastal tribe legends. You see thunderbirds at the top of a lot of coastal totem poles. I mean, we've got a thunderbird at the top. Oh my God, of, you're right. Right? He's at the top of the totem pole on Canada Island in Spokane. I didn't know that, that they were thunderbirds. I thought they were just birds. They're some important of, birds. Some of them are just birds, but a lot of them are thunderbirds. He's, um, a lot of times thunderbird is depicted in an X configuration if you see him drawn. So it can just be an X that can stand for thunderbird. Or it can be, it's kind of like this um, Egyptian style bird where the head is in profile, but the body is full frontal, you know? Interesting. Okay. Um, so he's represented in artwork in, in really cool ways. Uh, but like you said, thunderbirds are usually talked about way the fuck bigger than condors. But researchers want to know, well, what's the basis for the legends around thunderbird? What inspired it? Uh, yeah. Even if it turned into a legend that's larger than life, bring it back to Earth. What was it that kicked it off? And a lot of researchers think, yeah, you know, um, eagles are obviously candidates, but condors, because they're fucking huge, they flew forever, and they often rode the um, thermals in front of storm fronts, are also a really good candidate for inspiring Thunderbird legends. Um, yeah. I mean, okay. they, they, they look like they're bringing a storm with them when you see them because they're at the front of these big, intense weather systems that have these updrafts that would give them the lift that they need to, um, you know, attain their, like, cruising altitude, for lack of a better word. <laughs> okay. Um, I went to that cryptozoology conference and listened to a talk by Linda Godfrey. And I bought her book, American Monsters, and she has a section in this book on Thunderbirds and the Condor Connection. She uh, agrees with a lot of other researchers that condors could be the basis for some of the legends, but she doesn't believe that condors are responsible for modern day Thunderbird sightings. Oh my God, so there's people these days yeah, there Seeing are Thunderbirds. How big are Thunderbirds? Well, fifteen feet wingspan is what. Do they just look like? Say. Do they look like big condors, or do they look different than condors? Well, there's two different, most reported archetypes for Thunderbird sightings for modern Thunderbirds. One is that it's a big fucking eagle, so that's different from a condor. Condors, like vultures, have a naked head. And right. eagles, of course, have feathers on their heads. Um, all across the country, people report seeing these giant birds before storms that look like eagles or raptors with 15-foot wingspans. Okay. Wow. We get into the weird part of cryptozoology where some cryptozoologists don't think that all creatures have to have a basis in this world, that they don't have to have a biological basis, that we can start looking at spiritual 
or or cross-dimensional beings. I don't want to get into that because I think that's bullshit. I'm into the biology part of it. So we're going to go with the... No. Didn't that young man you heard at the cryptozoology conference say, don't yes. answer a mystery with another mystery? Exactly. Like, don't tell me that a real big bird is possible because of interdimensional stuff. Exactly. That is precisely correct. He and his dad run Sasquatch, which is a podcast about Sasquatch. So yeah. kudos to him. I can't come up with his name right now, but I love that. Don't answer a mystery with another mystery. That's so, why when I was doing that that Facebook thing about, like, what mythical creature is more probable, I'm like, look, a big sea creature is more probable than a fucking horse having a wingspan that can lift oh, it into the air. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Things that are bigger or smaller than normal, I think, are number one for mm-hmm. probability. And then creatures that are anachronistic. So out of, like, the coelacanth. Out yes. of the time you assume they are, but now they're a relic population. Those Anachronistic are the ones, makes sense. Yeah. Right? I get that. But um, nothing that has a body structure that nothing in nature has or has had. Yeah, right? Like, yeah. Like, as much as I want mermaids to be real, ain't fucking happening. You don't yeah, you have don't, a little... No. No, you don't jam up a mammal and a fish. Like, <laughs> no, every picture don't. a mermaid has titties. That is a mammal. What? That is a mammal. And if she is a mammal swimming down in the sea, she a fat mammal. Yeah. You know she's got blubber to keep herself warm. Whatever. Anyway, I'm not going to get into the spiritual part because I think that's dumb. I'm going to talk about the, as you said, we're not going to answer a mystery with another mystery. Let's figure out if there are Thunderbirds in America, things that people are calling Thunderbirds. Mm -hmm. Let's give them a basis in reality what could they be? Could they be yeah. condors? Sure. But if they aren't condors, is there something else they could be? And that's where Linda Godfrey proposes that sightings of Thunderbirds in, and now we're getting into the Midwest, so I won't go too deep in this because it's it's out of our range. Mm-hmm. But um, there's a strip in the Midwest in Illinois and Indiana where people keep reporting Thunderbirds. They keep reporting huge eagle-like creatures at the front of storms. And Godfrey proposes that these could be a proposed species called the Washington's Eagle. A Washington's Eagle. Yes, Washington's Eagle. Go ahead. So people see these things flying. People aren't, like, finding tracks or nests or bodies. They're seeing them flying, and I have a big problem with flying cryptid identification because usually when things are in the air you don't have any point of reference for size Devin, are they large or far away (laughs) yeah like i looked at vultures Uh, constantly they're my favorite bird and i still didn't know how big they got yeah Mm, because when they're when they're up in the air there's no point of reference and when they're down on the ground their wings are folded their wings are folded so you don't know Well, the Washington's eagle is a candidate because it's possible that it existed. John James Audubon saw what he said was a giant eagle. So I told you that eagles have a wingspan that caps out at seven feet, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. He saw an eagle back in the 1800s when he was, you know, doing all of his naturalist work that he said the wingspan was over 10 feet. Over the course of years, like a decade, he went back to this spot trying to find this eagle. 
finally found it eating something on the ground and killed it. John! So that, <laughs> so that he could have proof that this big fucking eagle existed. He drew it. Washington's eagle is in one of Audubon's uh, bird treasuries. Okay, I get it. He didn't have um, a cell phone. He didn't have a cell phone, Liz. He needed to, He needed to. you know, capture it and record it for posterity. But we don't have the mount. Nobody knows what happened to this giant eagle that oh, no. he, you know, categorized, cataloged, called Washington's eagle. But the idea is that, all right, so if this was an eagle that existed, maybe it still exists in a breeding population, small, but breeding, and that yeah. could account for the Thunderbird identifications people have in the Midwest. Right, because now we're not speculating as broadly. Now we're saying it's anachronistic. We're saying it's anachronistic is exactly right. Um, I told you that there's two forms that modern mm-hmm. Thunderbird sightings take. One is the giant eagle. The other... I can tell from your tone it's not as plausible. The other is really anachronistic because it's it's described as a pterodactyl. That's so cool, though. There are modern pterodactyl sightings that happen across the country. And I will leave you with the pterodactylized story I have that is close to home. Oh, okay. This comes from um, Everett, Washington. Their newspaper, The Herald, published the following article December 28, 2007. Okay. I'll just, it's a short article. I'll read you the whole thing. A 29-year-old Wenatchee man told police a pterodactyl caused him to drive his car into a light pole about 11.30 p.m. Thursday. Wenatchee police cited the man with first-degree negligent driving. A A breathalyzer test showed a minimal amount of alcohol, said Wenatchee Police Sergeant Cherry Smith. Witnesses told police the man was northbound on Wenatchee Avenue and drifted into a southbound lane for less than a block. Oncoming traffic stopped and waited for the man to pass, Smith said. He then totaled his car on the light pole. When police asked the man what caused the accident, his one-word answer was pterodactyl. (laughs) Okay. The man man was treated and released at Central Washington Hospital. Hospital He was just saying he wanted to call his lawyer. (laughs) Who's a pterodactyl. Attorney pterodactyl. Yeah. her, Her name was Tara. Last yeah, name exactly. Dactyl. Yeah. <laughs> she specializes in avian law. This is a huge misunderstanding. Huge misunderstanding. <laughs> I call bullshit on this, and you know why? Because <laughs> it was 11.30 p.m. You can't see anything in the sky at 11.30 p.m. driving down a city street. The streetlights <laughs> don't even let you see stars. <laughs> Maybe it was, Liz, what if it was, what if it was underneath the streetlights, between the car and the streetlights? What if it was in his car? <laughs> what if he's like, yeah, a, ter- a drunk pterodactyl got in my back seat because I left the car unlocked. And the reason I was drifting was because it was panicking. And those are quite large, officer. It, I'm, the, I'm the victim in this scenario. Pterodactyl. You're willing to believe a man lives a life with a free eagle that hates his girlfriend, but you're not willing to believe a pterodactyl got in this man's backseat. 
No, I am. I think it makes a lot of sense. He's like, you know, like if you if you drove your car into a pole and, and somebody was like, what the fuck, dude? And you're like, horn it. They'd be like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Tear it out. Like it's an excuse that works one time. And people believe it because it's just so crazy it might be true. Well, I love just pterodactyl. Pterodactyl. It's a complete sentence. <laughs> it sure is. It sure yeah. is. I hope this man listens to our podcast and gives us a call and fills us in. It's a usual pterodactyl story, officer. You hear it every day. <laughs> Don't you have a code for that? It's, yeah, it's it'd a, be more remarkable if I hadn't had a pterodactyl incident. <laughs> making you laugh and instead you're the punchy one <laughs> yes it's later where you are it's later where i am there you go liz those are some big ass birds that may or may not live in our area okay mm-hmm. do you believe in them well i believe in condors for sure yeah um, you you believe both that they're real and that they can do it I believe, you believe in them. I believe in them. Condors, you you got this, baby. Yeah. You Teamwork makes this. the dream work, Condors. <laughs> there are 500 of you. Listen, some of your team is going to be perverted scientists and some of them are going to be puppets. <laughs> Not going <laughs> to lie to you. you know what? You're all pulling for the same outcome, and that is to drain the state dry of its funds yes. making babies. I want you to make that $70,000 per bird count. Yeah. I believe in condors. I think thunderbirds are fantastic and fascinating, and I would love to research the lore around them more. I don't... (laughs) Do I lose credibility or do I gain credibility if I have a podcast about weird shit and i say i don't think we have astral birds traveling from a different dimension to fuck with our storms i think that's fair but here's my question do you think they're more or less plausible than sasquatch i believe that large birds inspired thunderbird Mm -hmm. legends okay so I believe those 100% exist. I don't think Thunderbirds as like a spiritual creature exists. Sasquatch, I'm going to like give you, I think there's a 2% chance that he's out there. Okay. Okay. So I more believe in Sasquatch than I believe in Thunderbirds. But I believe in Washington's eagle and I really want pterodactyls to exist. Okay. Like contemporary pterodactyls. Yeah. Were, were they that big? You know, I didn't look that up. Pterodactyls must have been big damn lizardy things. Right? Don't you think? 15 feet I, sounds about right? I don't know. It's easier to fly if you're not that big. Let's look it up. Let's learn a thing. Let's learn a thing. Ter- when I was little, I had a pterodactyl stuffed animal that I called Terry, oh. like the one in Pee Wee's Playhouse. Oh, bless you. Oh. I'm very disappointed. Yeah. And this thing is bitty. This little dude is 
smaller than a goose. So, how about really sad about this? Maybe a pterosaur is bigger. Oh, you know what you need is a Quetzalcoatlus. <gasps> you know what? I loved Quetzalcoatl as a legend when I was in Spanish class. Yeah, this bitch is the largest known animal to have ever been able to fly with a wingspan of up to 45 feet. Are you fucking with me right now? You cannot be serious. That is as big as the anaconda. Well, well, here's the problem. I was on a site called Dinopedia. So let's go over to Wikipedia and say if, see if we're on the right track here. Yeah, let's do oh, that. Oh, shit. Oh, that's too big. <laughs> no, that's too big for a flying thing. Oh, goodness. Yeah, holy shit. Man. Holy God. And, and this some bitch had a minimum wingspan of 36 feet. I hate it. I know. Get out of here. You Unacceptable. <laughs> Why do I think that like 10 or 15 foot birds and pterodactyls are great? Yeah. But I think the thing is they put it next to the little waving dude for perspective. And it's really obvious this thing could just <laughs> you down. <laughs> In one bite, you're a crudite to that guy. Its beak is too big. <laughs> it's like too that, big. Is it the mola mola fish you hate because it's too big. Unacceptable. <laughs> Liz, oh what is God. acceptable for a flying lizard? What's the range you'll allow? 10 to 16 feet. <laughs> so specific. And $70,000 a pop. <laughs> but no, it's the beak it's the beak that's freaking me out on this thing this looks like tim burton designed it i hate tim burton it's just a little it's a huge bitey mouth on a long spindle neck and then the rest is just there to hold it off the ground why did this need to fly it could just walk over and kill you <laughs> look at that neck look at it oh my god it is next to the wavy guy oh look at that Oh, do you see the version where they've given it a hairy neck? No, oh, I don't want to look at you. that. I don't want to see that. No. Okay, I'm going to turn you. this around though. Could that carry us? Can it? Do you think in this picture it's eating a little lizard? It's picking up. A... They walk. They walk on their. Screw that! Oh, I hate them. <laughs> I hate them. Easy, oh. little brontosaurus. <laughs> But its mouth is so much bigger. Oh, this is upsetting. Oh my gosh. What? But I, I definitely fall on the side of it's really hard to estimate how large things are that are in the sky. And especially, like, to make out any details. You've just got a black shape, so how do you know if it has feathers or leathery skin? And if it has leathery skin, did pterodactyls even have that? Yeah. Or are they some of the dinosaurs that we think have feathers now? Yeah, because if people, Fuck. if this is like a, you know, Fuck. gray aliens or Santa Claus got a certain image at a certain point and then everybody describes them a certain way, then I'm not impressed yeah. with the idea yeah. of your seeing. I think the trick is that we're going to have to spread out some carrion for them and then just set up a webcam and wait. And if we all take shifts watching, we're going to see it. Oh, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, no, it's like the uh, the webcams that they put up for the little falcons in Seattle. They made a nest on one of the bank buildings, yeah. and you could just, like, do chick watch. Mm-hmm. We could do giant flying death lizard watch. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, come on now, the condors are 500. We can use some of that state money for pterodactyls, I think. Yeah. We could reallocate. I'll say I actually disagree. I come down that Thunderbirds... In the, not that they, like, create the storm, but really, yeah. really big birds, bigger than what we know about, are more plausible than Sasquatch because um, avians and reptiles don't tend to leave a lot of skeletons because their bones are so light. Like, they're, they're less likely to pull into the fossil record. All right. So now that sounds pretty fucking smart, dude. I'm going to get on your Devin, bandwagon. imagine if one pooped on you. <laughs> it would give you a concussion. <laughs> oh my god. You would have a concussion and then you would drown. You would drown in shit with your little scrambled egg. Oh man. Think about that on your windshield. Oh my god. Oh dude, but think about the omelet you could make. That's true. Oh man. I would just I I I'd want one of those eggs to be a chair for me. I could just crack the top off and then climb inside the egg. Yeah, or you could you could kind of hollow it out yeah. and then hang it like there was this really cool egg-shaped chair in Buffy at the bronze. Well, there you go. The characters were always sitting in and spinning around to make dramatic statements. You and your Buffy. I love me some Buffy. You do. I think I just have a problem with the big, big beaks. If I picture them like eagles with proportionate beaks, yeah. that's fine. If they have big beaks and they look like some kind of fucking scissors I was on say, wings. Yep. Pair of scissors, man. Just way I'm too I'm not much. into it. <laughs> well, good. You've identified the part of that that really upsets you, and, and now we can work to correct it. They can get rhinoplasty for you to fit into your mold of beauty, Liz. Oh, that's okay, guys. You can be who you are with your big-ass scissor beaks that are as tall as I am. Fuck it. No, I hate it. <gasps> what if they had, like, pelican pouches and they could just scoop you up? Well, they... Mm, now you're giving me something new to be freaked out about. Thanks. Now I'm just designing worse Now ones. you're making it worse. Yeah, you're taping knives to them. You're giving them the ability to throw dynamite. Like, you're just making this even worse. God, they must have smelled so bad. Well, they were... I mean, we already know that pelicans piss on their own legs to cool down, so... I mean... Do pelicans do that too, or just the vultures? No, pelicans do that. That's how... Uh, that's one of the reasons why scientists started, apparently, figuring out this link between condors and pelicans here in the New World vulture strain. It's something that they have in common. You know, in, in general, birds, we're just gonna put a pin in that. <laughs> You know, because um, I don't have a better plan for you, but I've got some concerns. When I was little, I saw a documentary that said that kangaroos lick their forearms to cool down because they have a major uh, artery system right there in their forearms. And so the evaporation process uh, cools mm-hmm. the blood. So mm-hmm. in the summer when I was little, I may have licked my elbows to try and help me cool down. You were a pretty cool kid. I just, I'm really glad I didn't know about the peeing on myself to cool down. Because I might have tried it. Well, you know, 
You got to figure out where you fit in the world. I think a lot of kids think that they might be part animal. And I think we got a, we get a lot more information about how animals live in the world than about the human body. So I think that's a kind of natural extrapolation. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, no, I tried to pant like a dog to see if it would cool me down. Did it work? No. It just dried my mouth out. Oh, man. That's another problem. You just, like, out of the fire into the frying pan, my friend. Exactly. Now you're hot with dry mouth. <laughs> Shit. Well, next time pee on it. See if that helps. I'm not gonna pee in my mouth. I'll give you five dollars. <laughs> we'll talk off the air. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're. That's a special level on our Patreon. Filling the the first part of our motto of living weird for sure, my friend. Oh, yeah, man. listen, if, if Devin and Liz don't accidentally veer into kind of flirting with each other, but over something sexual that neither is really that into, <laughs> it, w- did you even listen to Ouija Broads at Was all? Was there even an episode? Was it? No. Yeah. No, this whole thing is a one big drawn out version of calling each other sexual bluff. <laughs> what is that? Th- that game that straight men play where they put their hand on each other's thighs at increasingly higher levels, trying to uh, be the first, if, you know, like gay chicken, right? Like you, you put your hand on your bro's thigh, and then he puts his hand that, on your thigh. Is that a thing? Higher up. All of all of my brother's friends, to be fair, are very. I would say they're all straight, but they're very not exactly straight. But that's something that you do. You try to get your hand up real close to your buddy's balls to see if you can be the one that gets up highest, but uh, doesn't, you know, like, blow the whistle on the other one. Devin, I don't understand straight people. No, we were never straight. We were never teenage boys. On next week's Ouija Broads, straight people, are they real? (laughs) More or less likely than Thunderbirds. (laughs) Facebook has that option. (laughs) It's just us, like, looking at people on the internet going, Oh, so tall! (laughs) No! What the fuck? What if it pooped on you? (laughs) Big fucking beak on that one. (laughs) Oh, man. right. Get us out of here, man. I don't know where we are anymore. Oh, man. We are on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. For sure. I know those things. If you listen to us, you're going to be doing that through Podbean or through iTunes. And on those two platforms, we would love it if you would rate, review, and subscribe to us on those. Because, man, we should definitely get sponsors. Because they're really going to want us to endorse their products after episodes yeah, put, like this. Put, put a star value on what you just heard. <laughs> They, and the nightmares it gives they, you. <laughs> they don't allow for six stars, so we'll accept five. Ah, <sighs> shit, Liz. I'm all out of it. I, <laughs> all I can think about is peeing on things and sex and stars and... I can't breathe. Thunder lizards. Thunder lizards. Oh, man. So on that note... Is, on that wait, note... Wait, no, let me, let me shout it. out our patrons. Do it. <laughs> Uh, on, on that note, thank you for giving us oh money to do whatever that was. Yeah, right? Jason Lozo, <laughs> Alden Fragrances, Lucille Valentine, and Mark Morris. 
I hope you feel you got your money's worth today. Oh man, half of you are my friends, and I don't know that you will be after this episode comes out, so... Yeah, if if you think that this is something that needs your money, you can always join us on Patreon slash Ouija Bros. <laughs> I'm really selling it up, you guys. It gets weirder in the seances that you get as a Patreon, in the special behind-the-scenes shit. It gets weirder. How does that happen? Should I add a special tier where people can pay us to stop? Yeah, let's see. <laughs> let's see how much money that makes us. <laughs> Okay. Oh, man. All right. I I don't know, Liz. I don't know. I don't know. I'm done. I want folks... (laughs) I'm so sorry. Live weird. Die weird. Stay weird. Maybe not quite this weird, though. Oh, my God. (laughs)